Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hi everyone, it's Helen here, the voice of Azu, Enola, and Laverne. Today, I'm here to tell you about Woe Begone, a podcast launched on the RQ network. Woe Begone is a weekly horror sci-fi audio drama series about the nature of power and the implications of linear time. Woe Begone follows Mike Walters, who discovers a mysterious and violent online game. What begins as an exploration of an alternate reality game with real-life consequences quickly becomes a search for the technology that makes the game possible. Each episode has a unique soundtrack composed by creator and writer Dylan Griggs. Listen to Woe Begone, spelled woe period begone, wherever you listen to podcasts. Or check out woebegonepod.com for episodes and transcripts. Have fun and see you later. Hi everyone, Lydia here. I play Melanie in the Magnus Archives and Cell in Rusty Quill Gaming. I'm here to tell you about another podcast you might enjoy called The White Vault. The White Vault is a found footage horror audio drama that delves into the terrors of isolation with an archaeological twist. Explore the far reaches of the world's horrors in this collection of records left by a repair team sent to Outpost Freestead to investigate a mysterious signal in the vast white wastes of Svalbard. When a relentless blizzard traps the team at the outpost, they soon realise they may not be alone. Discover the fate of teams sent to the remote corners of the Earth and uncover a larger conspiracy buried deep within. The White Vault is a multi-award-winning series that features a diverse cast and immersive soundscaping. Find The White Vault wherever you listen to your podcasts or visit thewhitevault.com for more information. Rusty Quill presents The Magnus Archives Episode 184 Like Ants
there are so many. They are beyond number, though one could pluck a numeral from the air and add some zeros, place a figure on how many tiny, twitching things exist within these tunnels. It cannot be comprehended. Not truly. The human mind can barely understand the true extent of a billion, and there are so many more than a billion of them. A trillion, an octillion, a quindecillion. Just words and zeros. No connection to the true scale of what they are, how much they represent. They are past the place where numbers have meaning. How many ants are there? Uncountable. They shift and royal in dark and shining tides across the walls of the tunnels pockmarked in their turn by tiny earthen holes from which the things emerge, retreat, and move as one. All around it may seem like solid earth that presses down and forces Jordan through on hands and knees, but it is not. He tries again to find somewhere to place his hands, an inch or less of bare rock or undisturbed earth, but there is nothing. He does not know if this tunnel has the ants that bite. The ones that reek when they are crushed, or the ones so tough his weight does not destroy them. And he can still feel them moving and squirming beneath his palm. Jordan knows there is no way out. No twisting, squeezing passage that promises escape, that will allow him to emerge, screaming and encrusted with filth and insect gore, to take a gasp of fresh and open air. But still he must push on press forward, keep moving, for he knows that when he stops, when he pauses, when he finally succumbs to exhaustion and collapses, that is when they descend upon him, subsume him beneath their impossible number. He can try to keep them out, to cover his ears, close his mouth, squeeze his nose shut, close his eyes, but not forever. Eventually he can't hold back the scream, but it is muffled the moment his lips part to let it out. So he keeps moving, scrabbling, pushing forward, clawing his way towards nothing but another few precious moments where he is not covered. For a moment he hesitates at a crossroads, two tunnels before him, one large enough he need only stoop, the other narrow. He'd need to squeeze. And for a moment, Jordan's sense of scale deserts him completely. Are these tunnels actually sized for him? Or has he himself been sized for this looping, intricate colony? He shakes off such thoughts. The ants remain as small to him as ever and as numerous. He chooses the tighter passage. Pressed so closely, there can be fewer of them inside, and those that come for him will be quickly crushed so he hopes. And as he presses himself through the jagged stone, it seems as if he has calculated correctly. The sharp scraping of rock is almost a relief after the tickling itch he has been enduring for so long, as they tear at his ragged clothes that never fully rip, and always leave crevices enough for ants to hide. There are few ants in this tunnel, so few that Jordan can barely feel them on him. At least until they begin to bite, and the shooting pains begin to rip through him. He jerks wildly, trying to reach his tormentors to brush them off or kill them, but the tunnel is too narrow and keeps his arms pinned to his sides. He flails, 
cutting his back against the ceiling and freezes, the panicked thought gripping him, the image of those ants crawling down into his wounds, into his skin, hollowing him out, and making their colony tunnels of his veins. He screams, a wordless, haggard cry of despair. Leto hears the scream, echoing down through chamber after chamber of his friends, but he does not understand it. He waits for it to end, looking for its source, but it just seems to go on and on and on. Eventually he does not hear it, though he cannot say for certain that it has stopped. He wants to investigate, to see what sort of creature could make such a sound, but there is no step he can take that does not make him a murderer. He cannot stand or sit or shift without a hundred of those dearest to him paying for it with their lives. Once, so long ago now that it seems almost like a memory of a dream, he knew these creatures, and they had known him. They had covered him, swarmed and embraced him, and he had, for a short, glorious time, known what it was to be loved on an unimaginable scale. For each and every ant was a life, a mind no lesser than his own, guided by senses utterly alien yet as vital as any he possessed. If we are as ants to those things above us that torment and toy with us for their amusement, why should not ants be like us, each with a life as rich and intricate as any person? Leto knows this to be true. As for that all too brief a time his senses were attuned to theirs, and he knew them, truly knew them. Unnumbered minds and existences all connected together as one, and they had loved him. When he thinks of it, it prickles his eyes with regret at the loss, the endless rolling mass of love that he had all but begged to consume him. But it is gone. His friends, the minds that he had once known so intimately had left him. Now he sees them, moving and pulsing around him in a steady tide of tiny bodies, but he cannot reach them as once he did. He cannot make them understand, and he cannot apologize as his movements, as every gesture of his grotesque, lumbering body ends a dozen, a hundred existences. Even the tears that Leto sheds in grief will fall and drown his friends. He holds his arms in close, and tries not to move. There is someone else here now. Someone shouting at him. The voice, it is the one who was screaming in the tunnels. He is still screaming, yelling something at Leto. Blood drips from all over him, matted into his hair, crusting his lips with red. He flails his arms wildly and stamps his feet, pulping a mass of ants, ending their lives with such a cruel and callous disregard that Leto is filled with a sudden rage. His limbs are willed with an energy they have not known in an age as he lunges at the awful murderer. Jordan sees the crying man coming, face twisted in some bone-deep hatred as he lunges at him. The relief he had felt, the momentary elation of seeing another human face in this dreadful labyrinth, evaporates in an instant, replaced by the sick familiarity and bitter deja vu of a cycle repeating itself once again. 
he steps to the side, almost falling, feeling the bite of more ants as he pushes into a mass of them on the wall of the small chamber. The man who charged him lets out a noise of terrible realisation as he overbalances and topples forward, his whole body slamming into the dark, inceptile carpet that covers the floor. The impact is heavy, and then he lies still. He can feel them below him. The dead and the dying. Murdered by Leto's clumsiness, his rash and destructive rage. The fear he felt as he was falling has been replaced by a sick dread of standing back up, of seeing the destruction his fall has wrought upon those that trusted him. The other man, that bloody omen of doom, is talking again, ranting, spewing nonsense about a queen, about finding her, about killing her. Leto struggles not to laugh. The words rattle around his mind in hollow recognition. There is no queen, he knows that. There is no single will to command the wondrous expanse of crawling lives. Each and every one is their own. And together they are so much more. He says as much to the interloper, preparing as he does so to stand, but before he can, he feels the telltale tickle of his friends moving over him, covering him. He cannot rise, cannot lift himself without killing them. He begs them to save themselves, to let him up, but they will not understand his words. Jordan leaves the man to his despair, the words rattling around in his head. No queen. He knows that, of course, but sometimes he allows himself the smallest flicker of hope that maybe there is a heart to this place, some core chamber where the bloated, insectile monarch might sit, vulnerable and waiting. But no, it is all the same, just the endless maze and ants and tunnels, unnumbered minds, meaningless in themselves, but together a being that dwarfs him, that if it wished to end his suffering could do so without a gesture. He turns the wrong corner, and the ants are upon him, once again. Uh, J John? Uh, are you alright? Uh, yeah, I, I, I mean, no, I just... Don't like ants. Obviously not, no one likes ants, John. As the embodiment of all knowledge, I am not entirely sure that's true, but... Okay. What is it? No, it's just... You know the guy you were talking about, Jordan? The exterminator, yes. I was having a look around, and... I found him. A few tunnels over. Yes, I know. Oh, sorry, yeah, of course you do. Oh, stupid. No, it's alright. I've been trying to... I'm not sure what to do about it. Well, who's the Avatar in charge here, then? That Amherst guy? No, John Amherst was encased in concrete and shriveled away to nothing after just a few years. If they'd unearthed him before the change, maybe, but as it was, he was so starved of fear. So, who, then? Well, I'm not sure if... John, who is it? It's the ants. What? Oh, like a, like a huge ant queen or something? No, all of them. As a collective... Crawling, devouring, uh, uh, spreading. One colony, one being, uh, one avatar. Right. Great. 
No. No, do not like that one at all. No. Okay, so what happens if you destroy them then? I, I mean, if they're both the Avatar and the Domain? The whole place would collapse, and then, without the corruption's influence, I think the buried would flow in to fill the gap. I thought you said Smirks 14 was a load of bull. I said it was limited and draws artificial borders, but it does have its use when it comes to conceptualising these things. Regardless, I'm pretty sure we'd be left somewhat entombed. But we could get out, though. Eventually. Martin, do you want me to... No. No, probably not a good idea. Hmm. Oh, uh, Martin, just... One, uh, one uh, second. Ah, uh, 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 definitely one of my least favourites so far. Can we just go then, please? I'm still not sure what to do about Jordan. I mean, what can we do, really? You've been pretty clear there's no way for us to help the people who are trapped here as victims, so... So we leave him here like all the others, and eventually we save everyone. Yeah, I just... I don't usually know them. Jordan Kennedy did me a favour. He helped me with my own fear about Jane Prentice. I sometimes forget that most of the people we know are avatars. Yes, that... Hmm. Not sure I like that realisation. Our peers... Yeah... Dinner parties are going to be tricky. <laughs> so what are we doing, John? I want to see him. Fine. Do your knowing thing, and then we can With move my eyes. On. Okay. But just so you know, the tunnels to get there are absolutely cro... Yeah, okay, yes, no, yes, you already know. <sighs> Lead on. John? You... From the Magnus... Help me! Now, John, what are we doing here? I don't... I... Help, please! Ceaseless Watcher. Look upon this man. John... Subsumed by terror and gripped with swarming fear. Gaze into him. Through him, and out of him. What does that Make mean? Make him a vessel of your hunger, staring out and harvesting with a thousand, thousand, thousand tiny eager eyes. Hang on. Gift him your power and protection. Make him yours. Jordan. What? What is this? How do you feel? I don't... I know you. From the Magnus Institute. What are you doing here? What is this? Yeah, I'm curious about that myself. What did you do to me? I feel... Better? Sick. Like I... What was that? You're seeing it. Feeling it. The fear of all the others here. All that screaming. They're everywhere. Crawling over them like they did me. It feels 
good. Yeah. But wrong. Sick. What did you do to me? I helped you. Uh, helped me? I don't feel right. I, I just... Uh, no, I don't... I don't want this. John, John, just relax. It'll be fine. It'll no, be okay. I don't... I didn't ask for this. You preferred the ants? No. Covered and agonised? I know how scared you were. I felt it. It was... It was a nightmare. And I couldn't wake up. But this is... I, I don't understand. I'll try to explain. The world is over. Dark powers that feed on fear have transformed everything we know into a twisted hellscape where humanity is tormented to feed their hunger. We're all trapped, but I have a certain level of power in this new world, so I... You turn me into what? A torturer? Yes. Why? Good question. John? Care to enlighten us? What was I supposed to do? I owed you. I didn't want to just watch you suffer. It's what you've been doing for everyone else. It's what you're expecting him to do. I don't... I don't know how to be this. I don't want to scare people. No. But you'll learn. Am I still me? I don't know how to answer that. I can put you back if you want. You could become a victim again. Rather than complicit. No, this isn't... I, I didn't want this. But I can't... I, I can't go back to that. I can't. Very well. I'm sorry, it's... It's a lot to take in all at once. Can I at least... go outside? Can I leave these tunnels? The ants? Am I free? You're part of them now. And they're a part of you. Oh. I'm sorry. The world is... It's bad all over. I just wanted to spare you what I could. Yeah. Because... Because I owed you. Please, leave. Jordan, I... I'm... I'd like to be alone. Of course. No. Wait. I'll never be alone again, will I? Come on, John. We should just go. The ants. If I told them to attack you, could they? No. Nothing can really touch us anymore. The Magnus Archives is a podcast distributed by Rusty Quill and licensed under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial Share Alike 4.0 International License. Today's episode was written by Jonathan Sims, produced by Lorianne Davis, and directed by Alexander J. Newell. It featured Jonathan Sims as The Archivist, Alexander J. Newell as Martin Blackwood, and Tim Ledsom as Jordan Kennedy. To subscribe, buy merchandise, or join our Patreon, visit rustyquill.com.
Rate and review us online. Tweet us at The Rusty Quill. Visit us on Facebook or email us via mail at rustyquill.com. Join our community on the Discord via the website or on Reddit at r slash the Magnus Archives. Thanks for listening. Hi everyone, Alex here. I'd just like to take a moment to thank some of our patrons. Dakota Hardy, Julie Forsberg, Haven, Michael Pankowski, Glyphs in a Teacup, Grace Maraca, Felicity, Alex Kutevis, Crystal Hoover, Dylan Robinson, Andrew Jones, Tim58, Griffin Irradiated Snakes, Fearmonger, Lena Biryukov, Sarah M. Dozier, Aft, RT North, Clara, Lee, Adam Salem, Stephanie Hedge, Dmitry Molotov, Tucker Rossman, Belated, Jonathan Simps, Riley Lulich, Lily N, Lucy Snow, Carolina Orihuela, Jenia ZC, Sid Troop, Angus Beth, Vanessa Chang, String and Bone, Steve Martin, Ferris the Wheel, Ariel Muravsky, Peony Foxborough, Ariel Fisher, Mickmed 13, Mary Angela Rowe, Our Divine Ashes, Natasha Kavina, Caroline, Mort Lees, Elisar Haydar, Alexandra Davies, Maddie Phelps, and Anne O'Connor. Thank you all. We really appreciate your support. If you'd like to join them, go to www.patreon.com forward slash rustyquill and take a look at our rewards. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hello, listeners. This is Anusha Battersby of the Magnus Protocol, letting you know about the latest Rusty Quill original podcast on Neon Inkwell, The Pit Below Paradise. The Pit Below Paradise is a US coming-of-age tale set years in the future, in the ruins of a burnt world. Small communities struggle in the ashes, and in Paradise Village, Dorian is set to sacrifice himself for the hope of a better tomorrow. At least, that's what he thought. But when the date of prophecy is pulled into question, Dorian's whole world is turned on its side. Forced to attend college to keep up appearances, Dorian meets Will, a former gravedigger with no reason to suspect his vibrant new roommate might soon be facing death, and Ruth, a returned runaway trying to make peace with the past. As Dory only just starts to learn about herself, she is forced to choose whether she still believes everything she was told growing up, or whether she wants to place her trust in a wider, more daunting world that she's only just come to know. The Pit Below Paradise is available now on Neon Inkwell, our ongoing home for full cast fiction podcasts, written by creators from all around the world. Just search Neon Inkwell wherever you get your podcasts.